0: Okay, we are live. Three, two, one. Quick Cuts. Quick Cuts. This is from the Presidium Podcast, the podcast about filmmaking and movie watching. You got it. <laughs> this is Quick Cuts, and I am reviewing...
1: This is Tim. I'm Dustin.
0: And I will be reviewing Star Wars Episode One: The it? Phantom Menace. Here,
1: look at the gaze upon gaze the cover. Gaze upon the cover. And it's I have a cover, and you have a cover, because you have two copies of this, tent. I do. I was, I was loaned copies of this
0: from our, our friend Amaret, and she loaned us the English version and Chinese version of this movie.
1: The Chinese version that I'm holding is in pristine condition. It's it, just been, I mean, it's in such good condition. I think it's almost like George Lucas just came in and set it down on the table for you. He did.
0: You. I, I think he bequeathed it to her.
1: <laughs> it's not signed, though, because... Does he sign anything? No, I don't know. I just wanted to get in a George George Lucas's name hole jab before you get into your... Here's some background, Tim, since I get to grill you this time, unlike the last one. I have not gotten to see this. I wanted to rewatch it because I have not seen it since I was 15. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos knocking it and criticizing it, and I remember parts, but I have not actively sat down... From start to finish. From start to finish since I was like 15 because i wrote this movie off i brushed it aside and i said no no more
0: we're firmly on record as saying we do not like episodes one two and three correct
1: but i also don't like rogue one so now i want to go back at the age i am now and at the experience i have seeing all these different movies that i did not see when i was 15 knowing the cultural baggage this movie carries with it and sit down and say i'm gonna watch this Although I know I am, I know what's coming up with the Jar Jar and the racist uh, Trade Federation guys and all that. But I actually just want to sit and say, how bad is this movie actually? And so instead, I'm going to rely on you to tell me how good or bad this movie actually is.
0: We'll start off by saying this podcast will have spoilers.
1: Oh, uh, if you have not, this seen- movies. <laughs> What, 20 years old at this point? If, if not
0: longer. Yeah, I think but it's 99 it came It's out. only fair warning, this will include spoilers. Yeah. If you have not seen Star Wars movie. Episode
1: One: The Phantom Menace, then why are you even listening to this? I mean, it's amazing. I've taught students that are they weren't even born yet when this came out. And I was standing in line with my ticket clutched firmly in my fingers.
0: That is one thing, and, and hopefully in future episodes we can talk to some folks who... Have other opinions about this movie. One of them is is someone who was introduced to the Star Wars universe through episodes one, two, and three, and prefers one, two, and three over four, five, and six. Nah, there's smoking crack. And I just was int- well, he's a little young to be smoking yeah. crack.
1: No, you're never too young.
0: But it'd be interesting to have discussion with him about his thoughts on Star Wars. I went in, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie from start to finish. I think I've, in channel surfing on TV, I'll run across it every now and then and watch scenes and just cringe.
1: Yeah, because TV, was the TBS plays a, I think every year around Christmas they play a Star Wars marathon and they play these from like, from start, from one, they do it in order. One, two, right. three, four, five, six, and then I think now they throw in Rogue One. But I think last Christmas they had it on. Around December. I don't know. And what so I've to had Christmas. it
0: on maybe as background because I never wanted to really watch it, but I decided I needed to go back and give it a fair
1: chance. I think Obi Wan's he's sporting some kind of fashionable haircut on the cover of this. Oh, yes. With, with the rat tail. <laughs> I like that George Lucas went back and tried to retroactively remarket all of these to look like the covers look similar. Where there's you know four or five people positioned in various sizes looking into the distance or yeah. staring directly into the camera like creepy Qui Gon there at the top, <laughs> it's literally just staring into your soul. That's what he does. That's what he does.
0: <laughs> I went in like I said, trying to give it a fair chance. Like let's just watch it from start to finish. I know I'm I can't go in and completely ignore the baggage and no, expectations can't. and history, but I wanted to give it a chance. Good. I was watching it on D V D projected on my wall, so I was not watching the Blu ray crisp clear. D V D presentation I think aided because it helped make it kind of blurry and <laughs> make it feel like an old movie. <laughs> and if you view it as an old movie I
1: mean it's twenty years old. Right. If you so, if you view it as an old movie, it has some charm. So like, how does this so speaking of twenty years old, how's the CGI? Because, you know, this was supposedly a pioneering The first, not the first, but the 1-2-3 trilogy, the prequel trilogy, kind of pioneered this whole green screen, surrounding universe CGI stuff that we see today. So how does it hold
0: up? We talked a little bit about this, I think, last week when we were discussing, just amongst ourselves, the movies. I watched Phantom Menace one night. The next night, I watched, for the first time, Solo, a Star Wars story.
1: Okay, I haven't seen it.
0: I drew a lot of compare and contrast between those two movies. I felt Phantom Menace was filmed claustrophobically. There were the big, vast battle scenes and space scenes that were all CGI. Anything that had real people in it felt very claustrophobic. And we start thinking about how it was filmed, that he had no money to go to location, so he filmed in a green screen studio. Then it would feel claustrophobic because there was no space for people to actually move around yeah, in.
1: Yeah, they basically had a little bit of what, lateral movement.
0: Right. It just, it so, just yeah, it's, it's
1: standing in circles. Yeah they, yeah, they stand. Walking in. Like, people sometimes, if you notice, will walk on screen and then someone will walk off screen, but they all leave and enter the same way because you can't, they can't walk back into the green screen. Right. They can't walk yeah. off. Yeah, they can't. It's almost so, like a Greek chorus. It's like watching a Greek chorus.
0: So it did feel claustrophobic and like I was watching a TV show because it was everything was cut in close when they were doing the talking even the them standing around in groups it was shot from the waist out yes i never felt like i was in the movie which is something i'm always looking forward to is like it's filmed in such a way that i feel like i i am in the movie as a participant in the movie and i never felt well, that in this one
1: technically that would be so that brings up another point usually the way you can bring someone in the movie is through camera movement if i remember right this movie doesn't have tons of unique camera movement i don't think because it seems like i remember it all being just kind of stationary static camera because of the green screen issue right so you can't have a lot of movement of camera through scenes or through locations because you're literally just photographing a background with some people in the foreground talking is that yeah accurate yeah so yeah you won't feel like you're in it you're gonna feel like you're just observing
0: it right i'm, I'm watching a movie yes right. and as many people before me have commented The scroll,
1: (laughs) yeah, the scroll
0: (laughs) really does not set a high expectation level of adventure in the movie. (laughs) It's
1: it's all politics right off the bat.
0: And and I was, I I was like, I'm not going to go with the preconceived. I'm going to wait for the the Uh bum, 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 just to see. And the scroll, and it starts off with, I, I don't have it in front of me. Trade Federation, the Trade Federation is um, blockading blockading. Naboo, and 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 over there. Raising the rates or taxation. It's yeah, ta- it's taxation. Was, uh, yeah, tariffs. There's tariffs. tariffs yes.
1: there? they talk about tariffs.
0: And I was like, that <laughs> is what this movie is. That's <laughs> that's the selling point to get me excited. And so I had that the same feeling as when I saw it the first time in the yeah. theaters. Was like, maybe that's, that's the
1: feeling then that's you're just gonna have. Yeah.
0: I I said okay, I'll accept that this is a story about the trade federation
1: and embargoes and. Barricades yeah. and Or the trilogy is about this. Who would have known it would have gotten worse? <laughs> so yeah, it's I will say this about the movie. Um the soundtrack is amazing. It I, is a good soundtrack. Yeah. It's John Williams. Yeah. I, I own I have it on CD, but like right. Duel of the Fates," that's a great song.
0: I will say I liked it better than I thought I was going to. I did. I did enjoy it once I got past the expectation that I'm going. There's anything fun happening in the movie. I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't bad. It's better now, 20 years later. Okay, well, because it feels like an older movie. Like sometimes you watch the old black and white movies on TV, and it's a good movie just because it's yeah nostalgia. This has now entered in nostalgia versus this is new and exciting and advancing the universe. This is the, we've known it, we've lived it, we've accepted that this, was, this is the canon
1: in the story. So now it's just
0: going back and nostalgically watching how it happened.
1: Do you feel, so staying on this green screen idea, do you feel that the movie... Would be better today if it would have used practical locations like J.J. Abrams kind of went back to, we're going to use location shots, but then they didn't really diversify where they went still desert. still deserts, yes. Do you feel that it would hold up better without that?
0: I think it would have been more interesting. It would have pulled me into the movie more if they had... More realistic scenes. Because
1: they could have done it. Like, I understand you're trying to make Coruscant look like it's this massive... But, God, they did, you know, or Nosferatu. Metropolis did it back in 1922, and they didn't have green... I mean, there's ways of doing it with camera and with lighting and with, you know, set design. You could still film in a studio. You could still... And make it feel like, yes, this is a massive landscape. You could still even do, I'm guessing, CGI, where they fly in... Because if I remember right, there's a lot of flying where, like, each swipe or wipe, lens wipe, has, like, a ship flying. So, yeah. like, a ship will fly to the right and then the lens will wipe. And then the ship is flying and, like, every scene opens with a ship flying in or flying out. Which the old ones didn't do that, the original trilogy. They're all old now. But. I usually do not listen to the
0: commentary tracks after... When I watch the movie, but Oh, god, you need to because George Lucas is so great. I did watch; <laughs> it's so I, much. I did fun. listen to the commentary during the last twenty minutes. Oh, I watched the movie, then went back and watched yeah, the last twenty minutes so with good. commentary. So I don't know what the commentary was like leading up to the last twenty minutes. Just the I, same, I, I was I was given <laughs> so much insight into his, George Lucas's Lu- writing Lucas's process, mind,
1: mind, mindset of how he tells stories. It's warped. So, my brother and I used to have a fun tradition of we would, now that I'm older. So, I hated episode one because episode one was everything that was not Star Wars to my young 14 year old self. Like, it was just awful. But now going back, episode two is horrible. Episode two is the worst of those three. So, my brother and I used to have this fun tradition because episode two is like two and a half hours long. But we'd put it in and we, we we would put on the George Lucas commentary. And so we would kind of like, we'd go to this scene and listen to him and go to this scene. Well, one of the enlightening aspects, like you said, you, you were kind of opened his brain or his, uh, is their brain? You opened his head up and you like looked in with a flashlight. There's a scene in episode two or sequence or a, I don't know, half the movie where they're on, where they go back to Naboo. Do you recall that? I haven't it's seen where it two gets, for forever because it's where it, it gets so painful. It's where it gets rapey where he like, they're in the where the fireplace and he's staring at her and she's got her cleavage at. It's weird. It's a weird scene. It's a weird thing. So they go, to, they go to Naboo and George Lucas literally says he thought about the story of episode two based on a location. He was sitting at a lake and he looked out and he said, this would be a great spot to film a movie he said so i started writing from that location wrote backwards as and then he wrote <laughs> and then wrote forwards so he wrote the middle backtracked wrote up to the middle and then wrote the rest of the movie
0: all because of
1: because of the location okay. and it was a lake he which said, can, is a beautiful I, lake
0: i can understand
1: i understand but see the, but... i understand like shot location or you know going to like scouting locations and going right. this will be cool for this scene I don't want to then sit down and go, I'm going to write the scene and then write the rest of the movie. And then write forward the rest. Of the, like, that is a mess. Your inspiration has to come from somewhere. And right. Which, and his came from, but, it came from the lake.
0: But that seems like a really generic starting point for a seven hours of movie telling yeah. this story. How does how does that
1: how did that scene inspire him to? Uh, they stood and Anakin talks about sand being coarse and gets everywhere. That's his acting style. Yeah. So acting was how there was, was, the was, acting? It, was
0: there any acting in this movie? In episode one was there any <laughs> acting? <laughs> as as I'm on record as saying, Lucas is either a master or something that's not a master in order to make Natalie Portman and Samuel L. Jackson be completely flat. Yeah, someone and, and, argued to me. And, and once. watching Samuel L. Jackson's scenes in the Jedi Council Chamber. I People sitting in circles. Sitting in circles. <laughs> and he's all wimpy and just sits there and basically what speaks. What do you want him to do?
1: Why would you. You cast want him to him? be from Pulp Fiction? What's his character? No, in Pulp he
0: doesn't Fiction? have to go and go
1: all Pulp Fiction, but at least have him have him some personality. No, because it's weird. If I remember, the Jedi in this version. Now I'm going to. This is going to be awful because I'm arguing towards George Lucas. The Jedi in this version, what I think he was getting at is that they're very stoic. Are they Vulcans? Kind of. They've, they've had to separate themselves from... They have to separate their emotions, their... You know, their anything that will drive them towards dark side. I think that's what he was getting at. So I think... Again, this is probably a stretch. I think the <laughs> Jedis in this movie are supposed to seem to the audience not quite human emotionally so that when you get to this is probably me writing a better movie when you get to <laughs> darth vader's transfer anakin's transformation the audience will then kind of s- sympathize or empathize in a way where you say yeah the jedi were just like they kind of created this because they told everyone you can't feel emotions and you can't show this and you can't act out so it's almost like a ultra-conservative sect, religion, in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Almost monkish? Right. Is that what he was going for, maybe? So then, like... But that doesn't make sense, because Yoda, when you meet him in Empire, is not like that. He's just an old, wise... He's not saying, like... He doesn't tell Luke, like, to be a Jedi, you have to not love anything, or... So I don't know, man. But that's what it seems like, through the trilogy, that's what he was creating the Jedi to be, so that when he rebels against it which doesn't work well because it kind of just happens all at once really fast. Suddenly he's slaughtering children, which is weird because you had like 10 hours to get to the point where you're going to slaughter children, and he does it in a half hour. So when you get to that point, you're supposed to look and say, yeah, I mean, the Jedi kind of created this environment where you would have someone rebel against. It's almost like the Paradise Lost where Satan is the good guy because God is such a stickler that you go, oh, yeah, Satan's kind of like the rebellious individual
0: and i'm not sure with with what lucas is trying to do where he's and it's, it carries even into one through episode eight yeah where everything becomes bureaucratic and institutionalized yeah at that point in time we have the senate yeah which is at a lot of, you know anytime something decision needs to be made Oh nope! We need to have a committee meetings and subcommittee meetings, and yeah. we won't actually make a decision. You have the Jedi sitting around in a council, just discussing discussing, stuff. discussing things but not making decisions, and then you have Quinine gon <laughs> who who who, who <laughs> denies who rejects every decision they make. Yeah, and he doesn't get punished for it. Yeah, he so just kind of like he's the, he's the rebel in rebellion yeah. apparently, but he's not. I was confused uh, in a lot of this. But do
1: you see where I'm saying? I think that's what he's going for. There's a lot of stuff in it. Is he trying There's to make them is of, he
0: trying to make them stoic or is he just because I think they're bureaucratic?
1: So. I think he's it's a bureaucratic, like stoic, monastic kind of he made it almost it's weird because originally it was a religion, but then he turned it in this one into that weird midichlorians, which I'm I'm not gonna get I, into because Billions no. of yeah. people yeah, argued about that. But you know, in the original one, it's like you have faith, so you could you could technically become a Jedi if you're forced sensitive, whereas this one, it's almost like he wants to create the Jedi are almost like maybe you could say not to, I'm not I'm just going to pick the Catholic Church for instance. Right. Like since they're like a religious kind of but they're governing things. But then you also have the Senate. So I think he was trying you're right. I think he was trying to show how bureaucracy bogs everything down which then will create this illogical action which is the emperor to show up and say I'm going to take action.
0: But then you get into episode 8 when everything is bureaucratic <laughs> and it, yeah, it, he's, it's back it, to it <laughs> it's, it's like he's trying to say bureaucracy is bad but he's always pointing out that that's the the default the natural evolution of any organization is you end up in
1: a bureaucratic i mean you're lacking the empire in this and that's why it's i mean the episode four and five i mean six loosely six gets a little you know whatever it's got you walks they dance they four, sing and four and five it's set up in such a simplistic manner You as the audience member know what the stakes are. Oh, the Empire is awful. The rebels are fighting them. And that's where you start from. So then all you have then is just characters. So you can watch these characters. Whereas here, he has to work really hard... I argue he didn't actually need to, but I think he wrote himself into a corner at the beginning where he wanted just to, I'm going to create the world from this. Like, he was God. But it gets muddled when, like you said, you're going to start explaining how an empire shows up. It's like, now you got to give him a history lesson for three episodes. Yeah.
0: There were many questions that came to me during during this movie and afterwards thinking about it. But One of them is, things are hidden under your nose. <laughs> so you're on Naboo. yeah. And then yeah. the... The Gogoians, yeah, whoever they—I forget their names. The Gungans, Gungans, are living in underwater giant secret, cities, giant cities that the above land people can't find or don't know exist. But you, as you fly over Naboo, it's pretty much they've colonized or
1: civilized. I thought they didn't did know they existed; they just didn't get along. Not when the
0: when she reveals herself as the queen. Yeah, and she pretty much says we don't, we don't, we don't know how to contact you.
1: Right, I think. I thought, if I remember right, again I was fifteen, but I thought it they were like an underground civilization because the Nabuians or the Thedians or whatever they are, Natalie Portman's people. Yeah. I thought they like had some. They're kind of like the Native Americans of America, where they kind of pushed them off their land, so they went into the. I thought, I thought that's what he was getting at there. Maybe, but it, it wasn't clear to Didn't me. Come, the well, there's time. a lot of stuff that doesn't come across.
0: <clears throat> but then uh, we get into the the Jedi can't. Don't know that Natalie Portman is hiding in plain sight as a as a hand maiden. Yes, she tricked. And when she reveals herself, and they look at each other like, "What?" Yeah, not knowing the emperor's the emperor. Yeah, and not
1: knowing Darth Maul's around. Right,
0: and the whole the, the the Jedi Council doesn't know. There's like the Sith haven't been around for for millennia, or they're right here. Yeah, but then again, we also have Hydra living in Shield without them knowing about it.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, let's well, that, not get into that again. Right.
0: Let's not open that old wound. But still, so, is this, so, this he plays that card so many times. But there's all these all these things. Yeah, is is he trying to do a big
1: fun reveal or is it like, uh, or twist? So my question is, Tim, did we need that movie? Do you need that movie to understand who Darth Vader is? Because isn't that the point of this? Supposedly, is figuring out who Darth Vader is. Although I don't, I argue we didn't need it at all because. You figure out who he is by the... Since the, I haven't watched
0: two and three, I I, I don't feel qualified... Recently, I don't feel qualified to answer do we need these arcs to describe and define Darth Vader?
1: Do you need to see him as a kid? Like, if I was going to go back and make a movie about Genghis Khan, would I be like, well...
0: Do we need a whole two-hour right, movie Right, let's David about-
1: Copperfield this and say, I was born, and oh my god. No, you just need to go to the interesting parts. Right. So you need to go and this we is do where, understand
0: he was separated from his mother and he misses his mom which becomes why he turns into yeah. Darth.
1: So here's something else that I have a question towards you and this is a theory that I have and I've toyed with for years. I don't feel that even the trilogy on a whole but episode 1 suffers from this a lot. I don't know whose movie it is. It's Obi-Wan's. It should be Obi-Wan's, but is it his? He's not even in it half the movie. He's like sitting on a ship tinkering with stuff. And and
0: he's a, not a buffoon. He's... Yeah, he's
1: not. He's just kind of... I'm not... I'm, I feel I'm, that I'm it's, still a... Ped, yeah. Padawan, Padawan yeah. learner. I feel that it's Qui-Gon's most of the movie. But he's... He doesn't do anything either. Right. It's just he's on screen more. Right. But then it's like, well, the trilogy's technically about Anakin, but you don't meet him, and he's a kid, so you don't want to watch that for two hours. So who's movie- So I, it's rhetorical. I, I don't think, identity-wise, the movie has a clear protagonist that you're supposed to say. I think he was filming this from the, the realm of big picture. The big picture is, we're going yeah. to get here by three. So one really doesn't matter...
0: Because you need well, to see two these, and three, right? These right. are
1: just little details that by three you say, "Oh yeah," I, but then Qui Gon doesn't actually show up ever again.
0: But would it be possible to take one, two, and three, edit it down to a two-hour movie and tell yes. the whole story to know why you could have Anakin, done this in who, one movie? Anakin was why he yeah. turns nasty, mean.
1: You could have started this movie. So if you're going to rewrite it and, and say. We're going to show how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. All right. I mean, it's, a com- it's kind of a common fall from grace type of story anyway. I go back to Paradise Lost. We're just doing that. Again, I'd say, do we need to know Like, he's evil? We know that he's Luke's dad. He gets redeemed at the end. That's, the- That's his story. So if we're going to go back and write it, you start it close to where he's going to turn evil, right? You just do one movie is
0: do a montage flashback about even why Even if you need
1: flashbacks, it's like you can establish who he is in the past yeah. through his interaction. But I think you also need, by the time they get to three, I remember thinking watching three. I've watched like nine hours of these movies at this point, and I still don't feel like him and Obi-Wan are actually friends. Like they're supposed to be friends. But then by the end of it, I was like, I think in this movie you need to establish that they are actually friends like he yeah obi-wan trained him but and it needs to be obi-wan's movie because i think the interesting part about the movie is not darth vader it's obi-wan's failure to train him because isn't that kind of what he's atoning for yes yeah with luke and that's why in an empire he's so like obi-wan's ghost is so distraught because he's thinking oh i failed again you know because basically darth vader was his giant failure i don't feel like the prequels like, you can't just throw in a, a line where he's like, you were my brother, Anakin. It's like, I, I don't get that. It goes back to there were no emotions. Right. I mean, I feel like I feel like Ewan McGregor was good in this movie, if I remember right. He was probably one of the better parts. I'm like, it's cool. Like, he's kind of badass with the lightsaber. And, but beyond that, yeah, I didn't gather where I was like, whose movie is well, it? It like, starts, the it starts with a scroll. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and in the scroll, it sets up. it's It's about trade federation stuff
0: their logistics and politics it's not about it needs to be more focused
1: it's obi-wan's story of failure or failing to i mean he trained anakin so that wasn't the failure but the failure to keep him from turning evil which i think was a dumb lazy writing move where he turns evil because he thinks natalie portman's gonna die Like, yeah we're all gonna die pal like you need a catalyst beyond that to start slaying Jedi children with right. your lightsaber. Like that just isn't believable. And in this movie, he's like a happy go lucky kid, right? Yeah. So doesn't it I don't even I don't know. Well as as I've said
0: before, and again I'm doing this without having seen two or three for quite a while, but Hayden Christensen Yeah that's the adult two, version yeah, he completely ruined 4, 5, and 6 for me. Because yeah. I, I can never see Darth Vader as evil yeah, having seen kind of mopey, him yeah.
1: s- having seen him become Darth Vader. Like, But that's what I'm saying. Is it too much? You could have just done one movie and had some a good actor that can portray, oh, he's got some dark undertone. Because I remember in 2, I mean, we're getting off of episode 1, yeah. but <laughs> I remember in 2 where, to,
0: You can't just isolate it in the silo by itself.
1: Well, that's another question. Can I remember leaving the theater going, eh, the lightsaber scenes were cool. But it wasn't just a standalone movie. Again, it was that what's going to happen in 2 and 3, which we now do with everything. So, could you argue that George Lucas has, it goes back to that, is he a secret genius where everything we're doing now is what he was doing with the prequels that we bitch about the prequels. Right. So, in a way, he he has influenced the last 20 years of cinema, I would say negatively, but he has, I mean, we just do what he does now. That's what it is. Episodic CGI driven again, like characters that you don't, you're just like, Oh, we're just trying to get to that infinity stone gauntlet part, but I'll go watch the. And that's what these movies kind of were the first, uh, and probably not the first, but the first in my life yeah. watching.
0: I mentioned earlier listening to the Lucas commentary, yeah. And he was final battle scene, and he's very ecstatic that he has four different things going on at once, yeah. And two of them are Jar Jar Binks being completely clueless. And being a a, being blundering around on the battlefield, but all his blunders help them win. Yeah. Then you have Anakin, who's on autopilot, then takes over control of the spaceship and flies somehow through the shields and into the launch bay of the drone. And then just shoots?
1: Doesn't he just shoot torpedoes?
0: He shoots torpedoes and and happens to blow up their central their central energy. And why would you put? Well, R two helps
1: him, right? R two basically does it. He's firing because he's yeah. But R2's flying the ship. Right, but it? still, it's, it's, it.
0: it's the, and I forget how Lucas said it, having, watching, having watched Solo the next night, and some of the same antics where Solo is, there's no plan, he kind of bumbles his way through, and things work. Yeah. And the thing that I kept going back to is Solo, and then I started comparing Solo to Captain Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow in yeah. the Pirates movies, yeah. is they have a naivete, but they also have an arrogance and confidence, a cockiness to yeah, them. Yeah, they got that swagger. They have the swagger, and then you throw Jar Jar Binks and Anakin. They don't have the swagger. They don't have a swagger. <laughs> it's juvenile naivete. Yeah, they're goofy. They're goofy, and they're blundering. Like goofy, they're blundering the into characters. things yeah. and blowing up yeah. by yeah. accident. And Solo and Sparrow, I think they're making it up. They kind of know
1: if things work out. But that's what that's what was fun about Harrison Ford's Han Solo. Yeah, was that he is good, but like he's he did shoot first. But then in Empire, you get a lot of. That where things aren't working well, although an empire has nothing really works well for anybody in that movie. The next
0: piece of the puzzle I threw in Wait, is what's the
1: giant puzzle,
0: the the whole Naivete and but that's Lucas's way of writing, or Lucas, or I. I then moved outside of Lucas because I brought in Captain Sparrow, then I moved outside of even that, yeah, and started reviewing or analyzing Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but he's very meticulous in
0: Home Alone. But he also blunders into some of the things. Some of of his plans don't work and he blunders. Is he a sparrow or is he Jar Jar?
1: But Home Alone... I think the basis of Home Alone, though, though, doesn't he learn a lot of the stuff that he thwarts the wet bandits with through the movie? So you see him blunder stuff, but then he uses it later. Right, but is he...
0: So it's all—it's a movie jib- about it, him
1: learning how to overcome. But, these but two is he adults. blundering with swagger, or is he? No, a kid. He's jib-
0: eh, but he. I guess he, he has he, kid he, swagger, swinging, doesn't he, he? Yeah, he's swinging loaded paint cans yeah. off of the rail, on rope to hit them in the head. That's not. I'm taking the plane off autopilot, and I accidentally land in the loading bay of the one spaceship that controls all the droids.
1: Yeah, I mean that was. Yeah. I mean that's. I don't know. It's lazy writing to me, but.
0: I started analyzing what are some other characters um, diehard Bruce Willis he's got the cocky swagger and he has to blunder his way he through he blunders through a lot and but that's it, appealing because
1: that's the character right But same thing with Han Solo are those
0: are those blundering characters more make more interesting movies than juvenile blundering no because home alone's good but I don't think I don't think he's juvenile blundering I think I put him in the in the Captain Jack Sparrow home alone yeah because he's playing a kid he just doesn't know that, anything
1: that, that doesn't mean anything he's still but that's what I'm saying. He's not he learns. stupid about it. You watch him learn in the movie, and that's how he overcomes it at the end. Right. But he's pretty smart throughout the whole thing, because he gives yeah, him those groceries. That's, that's, that's why I don't, I don't put him
0: in the Jar Jar Binks-Anakin
1: category. No, I put him in no. the... I, yeah, no. Anakin couldn't stay home alone when his parents left. What do you think this this? Yeah. <laughs> what are some other blundering no, I don't know. Uh, um, protagonists? Um... Indiana yeah, Jones blunders a lot. And yes. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, but again, it's, it's has a plan. because it's funny because he says, "I'm making this up as I go along." It's like a general plan, but yeah, he kind of you know how things work. But and it's not we... like that kind of blundering is different from like Jack Sparrow. Where Jack Sparrow is very comical blundering, exaggerated like yeah. movements, and it's it's played for comic laughs, especially the second one. Yes. the first one he's a little more serious in it. Yeah. But then the second one they really accentuated they, that.
0: They they parried it. They, yeah. they they made him a parody of himself. Uh-huh.
1: especially right off the bat where he's um with that cannibal tribe or whatever and he's tied to that giant stick. Remember that? And it's, right, but that's C three PO. Yeah, it is. In
0: four? Five. Six. No. Which one is it? That he get they get captured. I mean he's always
1: getting captured. Yeah, but
0: they get captured and they they worship him as a god.
1: That's return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a blunder. It's like a it's it's almost it's almost a trope of um, movie coincidence, not quite deus ex machina like Captain Marvel, but right. almost where it's oh hap happy narrative turn. They worship a golden guy. Okay, and we right. just happen to have one with and us. They're friends, and yeah. so they take us to the village and Luke, because technically Luke could have just gotten rid of the ewoks let's be realistic if he's floating c-3po around to make him look like a god he could have just like force pushed all the ewoks or lightsaber right. but it's weird because in return of the jedi and some in the original trilogy and this is another gripe everyone always does with jedis is we don't actually know what their powers are because it's just whatever they need to be because luke right. you remember the scene where they're in that net and luke can't reach his lightsaber and you're thinking why not just use let's this force? Yeah. yeah like you can't get out of a net Of course, he did leave his training to go fight Darth Vader. Right. He wasn't actually fully trained, though. That's true. Because he does, when he's fighting
0: Darth, he does... Gets his ass kicked. But he also uses the force to... uh, He
1: grabs his lightsaber once. But it takes a lot of... Well, that's that's what's great about that scene, because you actually see that he is not trained enough to fight Darth Vader. Right. Uh, He gets, like, one good kick in where he pushes the foggy whatever sci-fi foam in his face because or he doesn't steam. have his because this, yeah. he does yeah the steam he doesn't yeah. have his lightsaber so he uses that and then he grabs his lightsaber and that's why he kicks him off and that's like the one good hit he gets in on it right and then darth vader just kind of plays with him he's a cat mouse him. Yeah. yeah but this movie it's like the jedi are the whole prequels it's like it, they, they C- just do everything cgi yoda really bothered me what it, about puppet yoda
0: because used a puppet through some of it well i don't mind the puppet yoda the cgi yoda looked like he was he had been on a three week bender,
1: which was right at the end, right? Because they used puppet in the council chambers, but then at the end they used when he, CGI when he's, when he's talking to Obi Wan. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he just
0: he looks like he's been on a three week bender. Yeah, he's he's haggard, and just looks tired. <laughs> Yoda looked weird. Yeah, it just I, that was I, that was not Yoda. That was not the Yoda we 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 came to yeah. see and love in. Five. I,
1: again, did we need Yoda? I don't know. I.
0: We have to because is it if, fan if, service? If, if he wasn't, yeah. If he wasn't there, we wouldn't. We need him to be the crossover into the Jedi. So you know, oh, this, these are Jedi's. Yeah, otherwise, right. we, yeah, otherwise right. we wouldn't have known they were Jedi's because they sure didn't act like they were called Jedi. Yeah. I still don't know in 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 the Senate scene when Natalie Portman is floating and, and trying to convince the Grand Pooh yeah, that her planet actually has a barricade around it the jedi had been there how come the jedi weren't called in front of the senate if they're, if were they're... they even
1: at the senate meetings
0: no they were they are having their council meeting at the same time, <laughs> at the same time. And, and and they're all like well you have no proof of it and all natalie portman had to do is go bring these two jedi in if, if they're honored because you revered. sent them there yeah, they were you, sent, you there. sent them there as ambassadors they saw the ship the ships blocking my planet ask them if you're if they're so revered and respected, you would think their opinion they'd come in as as witnesses and go, "Yep, that
1: yeah." Happened. Wouldn't that be one of the first moves? Or like, show up at the Senate and say, "Guys, you need to figure something." Unless
0: out. the Jedi don't want to get, I guess in, they, they don't maybe, get involved.
1: I think I think again, that's where I don't I can sometimes see. I don't know if I said this, but what I wanted to get at was the prequels. For me, he has a lot of good themes that he's dealing with. They're just not executed right, and I think it comes from he didn't know what tone he wanted, because he often says I make these films for movies, or I make these, I make these, <laughs> <laughs> I make these uh, films for kids, but there's a lot of dark adult themes in it. I mean, go right back to Episode Four. Luke shows up, and his aunt and uncle are burning corpses. On, that's not for kids. Come, Come right. on, George. Like just because he wanted to make.
0: Jar Jar like goofy. So is he just hindsighting? It's like oh these are because kids like his movies he I, said therefore I guess, I'm making movies for kids?
1: Even you say the scroll. That's not a kid's scroll. Like when I was 14 I was reading it like am I in history class or are you gonna, is <laughs> right. this Star Wars? I don't think he knows what tone he wanted. So he has very adult themes like the idea of how a republic turns into an empire. Or a dictatorship is not a kid theme. Like, kids aren't gonna care. They wanna see Darth Vader. So, it's not technically <laughs> made for kids. You can't just throw Jar Jar in and go, it's made for kids, but now we're gonna talk about political underpinnings of fascist dictatorships. Right. Like, kids aren't gonna know that. I think he just, he should have chose Do I wanna make it for kids and make money? Cause, you know, adults are gonna bring their kids here. Or do I wanna make a serious movie that's gonna talk about, have a commentary on the fall of democracy because it's the bush era he would he he wanted, he wanted both right and it doesn't work right so i'm saying that's where well, you it get, could it could work it doesn't right that's what i'm saying as i'm saying you go back and look and you say well that's an interesting concept but it's not working here because you're too busy having jar jar smell farts and literally right um or get his face stuck in that arc reactor thing and his tongue go numb then like you just dealt with Talking about child slavery, and now you're like, "Oh, Jar Jar's got to smell an animal fart." That, that the yeah. tone just doesn't. The, the, it, so that's where it just for me, it's. You could have made a really good movie. I think one, maybe two, if you were stretching it. But I just feel he didn't, and he had all the yes men around him going, "Yeah, George, yeah, that sounds great. Yep, yeah, of course he's signing the checks." So. And
0: we waited twenty years him. Mm-hmm. so that he's excited because i'm telling the story that people want to hear and i think that
1: was the first thing he's directed since um he directed didn't he direct something uh, like um he did a lot of producing so he had produced like raiders of the lost ark i think he helped write it with uh steven spielberg but he did a lot of producing and he really didn't do anything other than star wars like that was his life it became and I and I saw, and I think this might be in the documentary, People versus George Lucas, but somebody was saying he became what he was criticizing and what he hated. Because early days, he was always talking about his dad wanted him to be a businessman. He didn't want to be a businessman. He wanted to be a film director, but it's like... He, did, he, did he see that in himself, that he became... I don't know. He essentially just became... Of course, he sold it for $4 billion, but I mean, he became what he... Maybe that's... Rebelled against? And this, by running a
0: business... Was he trying? Did he have to play it safe while he thought he was making creative movies? Because
1: if those, if one, two, and three tanked, well, the first one, Fox said, We're not funding the next ones. I remember that. Oh, after so one, after one, they yeah. said, Yeah. So he said, I'll do it myself. Yeah. So the rest are fully 100% him. I mean, they made money. And then just with the marketing and everything, I mean, he, sense- he made money. And it's, and what he did worked because we're still talking about Star Wars. So is he a better businessman than a director? I would say yes. He's a better producer businessman than he is an actual... Because his directing is... Because even Graffiti... I like Graffiti. Still not directed well, is it? Yes. I've often said controversially that American Graffiti is his best movie. Because he didn't direct no. Empire. right? And he didn't direct Return of the Jedi. He was just kind of there as a go-between. In Star Wars, a lot of what we know now was people producing and editing with him. Like his ex-wife cut a lot of stuff out. And I read some things where it was her idea to have the climactic Death Star scene where he wasn't, it was like they were going to fly to the Death Star, blow it up, and that's the end. There was no sense of escalation or, and she was saying like, and so when you go back and watch it, there's some sequences that they had to put Tarkin back in to make it look like he was watching the screen with Yavin because they weren't actually sp- they weren't actually at Yavin. Okay. Because he literally just had the Death Star floating somewhere, and the rebels like, "Hey, we have to go, we have to go blow this up," and they fly and blow it up. So it was her <laughs> idea to be like, "Well, what if the Death Star was like gonna blow them up?" So it ups the stakes. Yeah, that wasn't even his idea. Yeah. Like he was literally just like, "Yeah, they'll fly," kind of like. I guess episode one. Eh, they'll fly and blow it up, and that'll be that. I wonder what it would look like if he released his. Because originally he, it was like a three-hour movie or something like that. They the, cut the, a lot. The, of The stuff director, out of it. the yeah. director, director Scott. <laughs> yeah, they cut a lot of stuff out of it. That he was, it was just frivolous, like episode one or episode two more. So yeah, I think he is a better. I mean, it's clear that he is a good businessman because he is stinking rich off of one IP. I mean, you throw Indiana Jones in there too, but. That was producing. But essentially, Lucasfilm was Star Wars and Indiana Jones.
0: Does he? Do you know if he still gets royalties off of any of the Star Wars stuff?
1: Oh, I don't. I haven't looked at the fine details. I don't know. Cause like with I don't know because War- he bitches about it now. Have you watched any interviews about it? No. He called Disney white slavers at one point in an interview.
0: <laughs> so apparently he's not getting a paycheck from them anymore.
1: And I, yeah, and I don't think he's happy about where they took certain... Yeah.
0: I will say, my first screening of Solo, the next night, I really enjoyed. Is it a Star Wars movie? Eh is, <laughs> is, he, it is he hand solo <laughs> eh. is, is it he, a space heist movie yeah it's fun it's, it's a fun <laughs> movie it was enjoyable i i didn't feel claustrophobic in it i thought there was funny scenes in it but it wasn't all funny and I, I i think i told you my analogy was it felt like a star trek original episode just it was it was funny in the same way that star trek the original series was the the action it, it felt like one of those episodes it would be Take off Han Solo. There's, there's some tricky
1: somewhere going, Aah!
0: I know. It wasn't a Star Wars movie. It
1: wasn't Han Solo. was Han Solo. <laughs> Ignoring all those. It was a fun movie. It was a space heist movie. Yeah, oh, it was fun. So if it was like a sci-fi original movie, you would say, Yeah, it was yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty good. It was kind of fun. The yeah. space and they heisted. Yeah, I've heard someone else tell me that. They were like, Yeah, if you don't think it's a... Oh yeah, this is Han Solo's backstory. Then yeah, it's fine. It's... He ha- he
0: has he he does a few of the Han Solo comments and quirks. So you, that, you're that making... movie
1: had a lot of production problems, though. If you remember, yes, they had to get different directors and they had to bring in acting coaches for the star, and yeah, it was bad.
0: I do give Ron Howard credit for putting together a fun, entertaining movie with whatever he was given.
1: Yeah, I don't know at what point he came in. Like, it was, what was done? It was I thought three quarters of the way done. So that's weird as a director to come in, because it's not really your movie then. That's his, how, his name's on it, but... Yeah, I know, but I mean, when you bring in... Of course, we do that all the time now where we bring in... That happened with Rogue One, where they fired the director. Because it was going to be a lot more artsy, I guess, from a video I watched. And Kathleen Kennedy didn't like that. And she, brought, she fired him 37, like you said, about three quarters of the way through. And brought in this other guy to finish it. And so you get a lot of scenes in the trailer that aren't in the movie.
0: As we discussed, I liked Rogue, Rogue One as well. No, I don't
1: like Rogue One. I was bored. My friend fell asleep in it, actually. He was sleeping. I did not wake him up. I I've
0: like, only watched oh, it once. I, it was in the theater, and I enjoyed it. I'd have to go back and watch it again to go. Just, re- again, it's characters I don't it.
1: care about. It's The Empire It seems really tame for being a vicious Empire. They check a lot of people's papers. I was like, "Oh wow, they're, they're bureaucrats." Yeah, they're checking your, but they're not like they're an evil empire. They're enslaving races. That's what bureaucrats do. <laughs> I'm just saying they don't show it because it's Disney, and I, I said that because someone said, "Oh, they're gonna make a gritty war Star Wars movie," and I said, "No, they're not. It's a Disney. Right. You're not gonna see." And the direct, the first original director they got. There was a interview I saw of him where he said he wanted to make the Saving Private Ryan of Star Wars. That's what he wanted. To, that's what his vision of it was. And which which movie was that supposed Rogue to be? Rogue One. Okay, it's not. No. <laughs> and when they, when I read what people were saying that, I thought Disney's not going to let you, you keep do blaming do Disney. That. But is that Disney or is that Kennedy? Disney's not going to let you do no, that. no. But it's, is that Kennedy? disney kennedy has a mouthpiece for disney you think disney's gonna have a gritty violent war movie to give to kids because they're selling toys you can still sell toys and still tell an intense story i never bought a tom hanks action figure from saving private ryan i have the whole i have the whole have line the whole sign- from, from the two inch all the way to the 18 inch tom <laughs> hanks
0: version from saving private Dang, i need to get it again they're all signed by on, him as well get so my
1: hands on those but yeah anyway episode one
0: episode one it as a nostalgia piece I it was entertaining. What if you have
1: bad nostalgia like me? And knowing how critical
0: you are that the of, end of Star, and, that
1: was the end of Star Wars for me. well, yeah,
0: it, uh, it ruined. Like I said, three ruined four, five, and six for me. To the point where now I look at seven and eight, I don't mind them because I've yeah the, they've they've completely I like they ruined it for me. Like we talked about with Endgame, I was I was done with Marvel around b- before Black Panther. Yeah, it had worn thin. So I it was think, like I'm still gonna watch them. I'm still gonna well, eat I, popcorn. I, but
1: I'm speaking. This is a, in a broad generality, but for me, looking back on it, I mean, I talk a lot about it just because it's so culturally relevant, where people are constantly talking. It's same with Marvel. People are always talking about it because. I guess when sports don't do it for you, go to Marvel and Star Wars. But but, um, this
0: is a, low se- low, a lull in the sports season right now. Right, and then they'll start talking about Because football hasn't started yet. Pop culture Baseball's crap. just started. We're in hockey, um, starting basketball's in tournament, but don't care. Oh, hockey's wrapping up, too.
1: Star Wars, most of the time you found Star Wars in your teens. And not now, because now it's, it's culturally, everyone, yeah. but, you know... I was 1213 and you're in a spot when you're 12 and 13 where you need stories about heroes you need stories about you know princesses being saved and this and that and the other. and you hold on to that and I think that some people didn't let go of it. For me, it was episode one where I went I I can't Done. Do this. yeah and I and I, I had to look back and really when I saw because I went and saw the other ones and I was excited about Force awakens because it was that nostalgia. And I knew it was the nostalgia Great. because we had the prequels and then you got, oh, there's the Millennium Falcon again in there. But then you have to step back and go, it's just nostalgia from that time, and that feeling of when I was 13, 14, watching Harrison Ford pilot the Millennium Falcon and yeah. the quote unquote fun that's associated with it that gets you through your teen years, you know, watching Darth Vader fight Luke and this and that. That was the nostalgia. So when I went to see... And even Rogue One, it started where I was like, it's just Star Wars stuff. Like, I'm not getting any type of... I'm not getting that emotion again.
0: They're they're, they're Star Wars characters. Yeah,
1: I'm not getting that. And then, you know, I saw, what was it, Last Jedi. And I was like, this isn't even... It's nothing of what I felt watching Star Wars and talking about Star Wars with my friends and being made fun of by people that probably now love Star Wars. But, and that's when I said as an adult, why... what people get so defensive about in my generation, and I think what the media and Disney got into, they, they fell down the rabbit hole of calling people like, oh, fat white guys sitting in their parents' basement because they didn't like what Ray is a female. I don't think that's true overall because I liked Ray in the first movie and my gripe was you threw out all of her development like I wanted to see where she was going where instead you just made her all-powerful right. and that's not interesting like where is she going what is she coming from what is she I think what they're mad about is people that didn't let it go like literally they they're still longing for that when I was 12 13 going to see the special edition because you want to connect with that whatever that feeling was but they never let it go because they can't and it's like it's not even the same movie that I did let it go and you don't like that's it that's that's why they're mad and right. that's what i'm saying and that's when i shrugged and said yeah it's a but if you keep making garbage, the same movie it's a if garbage you keep making movie, the same movie over right. and over we don't it's the big care. problem is lucas won't just release the movies like i would be glad to go and say i'm going to get empire strikes back on blu-ray Theatrical. Watch it at home once in a while. Cool. But he doesn't release them and he keeps doing this crap where it's, that's not my vision. That wasn't my vision. I got to keep adding to it, which then it becomes into a whole discussion of when you create something and put it in the public, how much of that is now the public's and how much is yours? Because once it's out there, it's like it's now everybody's. But you look at. So then release.
0: Let's bring up the Rolling Stones, for instance. They've been playing Jumpin' Jack Flash for. Right. 40 years. Yes. They don't play it the same way now they did no, in they the don't. 60s. They've they've evolved it and and morphed it and migrated but it. But you
1: could still go back and listen to the one in the 60s, which Correct. there's a yeah. difference here because technology has ramped where who has a VCR anymore? I mean, I know people still, but I'm not going to keep a VCR around because I have Empire Strikes Back taped off of USA. Well, it does from seem like there, there is
0: an uptick in people going back to VHS, just That's like terrible. going back to vinyl, because they're finding the four. Four, five, and six yeah. original releases. Oh, yeah. So they're going. People are going back to VHS technology. You can get to pirated too their,
1: on the yeah. internet. There's people that have them. Um, because the, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have four and five,
0: at least four and five on VHS. Still,
1: I do too. I have, I have the I have original, no idea but I
0: if they're in decent shape. I but.
1: bought the DVD. They. So you remember when they repackaged and re after all the prequels, right. the marketing. And people were saying, well, we want, if you re-release Special Edition, we want the theatrical version. Because, like, Steven Spielberg redid E.T., but when he re-released it, you could buy E.T. the new one. And he also included, well, he, Amblin, right. included the theatrical. So if you want to watch the original, was it 1982 with E.T.? Guns, with guns instead yeah, of tennis yeah, rackets you or could whatever they it. had. Yeah. Or Lucas doesn't do that. Lucas is like, no, this is my vision. So you're you're missing it. You need to see Darth Vader say no as he throws the Emperor down. You don't need to see what you saw when you were in sixth grade, which isn't fair. So he's like you said he's messing with your memories. Yeah, which like you said, I can go back and listen to Jumping Jack Flash, or I can listen to the new one. But he's not doing that. He's saying or he did say, or and Disney's the same way. Those don't exist. No, these Blu ray versions where the Ewoks are blinking is my vision, and that's so then there's a discussion of, yeah, but what we like is the original so but we can't get them now because copyrights and be it's interesting DHS. With,
0: with disney plus if they'll go back and release or they'll, if they'll they scream
1: I, I doubt they. i'm i'm telling you they won't because they, I, said, I, I they said they said when they bought it they were going to and they didn't they re-released the but then they started doing Bl-
0: disney plus i bet it's gonna be one of the draws to disney plus is to see four five and six in the original theatrical but i don't want
1: that i want it on blu-ray
0: they'll be glad to sell it to you in a year. Yeah, I don't think I don't after, I don't think speed. they will.
1: Let this be known on the record. I don't think they will. I think there's I think it's done. If there's
0: money to be made, I they would have released it then because people want them. I think they're gonna they're gonna make it as part of the splash on Disney Plus. That's just my prediction. But there's have, also the no issue now with like
1: it. the climate we're in with you know Leia. For instance, being in Slave Gear in Return of the Jedi. So now there's no images allowed. Disney's gone back and said they will not do new images of Leia in her Jabba the Hut slave. So you can't find them past, what was it, two years ago? I think they said that. They deleted mean, them all off the internet? or No, they're still on the internet, but they're not. Because back in the day, you could buy the toy. Oh, I got Leia toy Slave oh, Gear okay. on right. You know what I mean? Or I got Leia Hoth, and Leia, Leia will not, you will not be able to get that image. Oh, gotcha. From, yeah. No, you can't go through the internet. I mean, eventually you can. Like right. Google owns the internet, so I guess. So that is my... That was a long cut.
0: ...recap <laughs> of, of Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. I did enjoy it as a nostalgia piece. Oh, you gotta do it, your ratings. You have like seven ratings. Ratings is not a popcorn grinder. Not a popcorn grinder. It's not a comfort film it's not cotton
1: uh... it's a comfort film to some people it's it's never, always but, established but for me right, a yeah but film.
0: to me it's not a comfort film it's not an ice cream or a cookie dough ice cream movie if it's in the general all movies ever part of <laughs> all, all movies all movies ever part of the venn diagram i would give it what did i give endgame i gave endgame b minus b- c C-plus. i'm going to give phantom menace a b minus Oh, and I went in. I went in giving it a C Mm. from memory because I just had the the bitter taste of how I felt uh, betrayed,
1: and that was a C. Betrayal is a C in your book. Uh, C minus, maybe (laughs) D plus. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because I went in. I went
0: in not liking it at all, and I came out feeling a little bit better about it. It's still is not a good movie
1: you a-hole you betrayed me i'm giving you an average grade <laughs> that's because, tim's be- world <laughs> well because when it first
0: came out you had hopes that two and three would be better that they were gonna build no on after
1: i saw one i was pretty much that's a whole other story i did go and see them but i remember uh, two i laughed through a lot of it because
0: so i remember fun. i think it was three when i saw it in the theater i could not wait for it to be over and i could not wait to leave three is the better than two but even then, by then I
1: was so I, I. But three has so many problems. I try. I watched three about a year ago. I rewatched it, and I, it's it suffers from pacing issues. The first yes. thirty minutes where they're trying to tie up all the loose ends from the last one with like the with a General Grievous, and it's just in the audience, you're like, I'm waiting to see them fight. At, mustafar or whatever that fire planet is right. and him become darth vader so you sit through and it's a long movie it's like two and a half hours but sitting through all that like tying up loose ends with the trade federation because they're still freaking around and all that is just and so that's and that's the problem where when he becomes darth vader it's so rushed because you had to get through all that crap that it's not believable when he's just murdering children like why is he murdering children with an army i what, he accidentally cut Samuel Jackson's hands off, so now he's pouty? So he goes and murders the whole temple of children? That doesn't seem believable.
0: May have helped my rating of Phantom Menace to see Solo
1: the next night. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet you were probably... Yeah, like, it's not Phantom Menace!
0: Because it, it Solo was a much better movie to me, than movie-wise, movie than Phantom Menace. But it gave me a different perspective on storytelling. My grade for *Phantom Menace* might be elevated because I enjoyed *Solo* so much. So much? Wow. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed it much more than *Phantom Menace*. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it is, it is a more enjoyable movie than *Than Phantom Menace*. All right, I'll All take right. that. That wraps up my review of *Star Wars* Episode One: *The Phantom Menace*. This is from the Priscinium podcast from the Priscinia Film Society. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to email us at podcast at org or contact us on Instagram or Twitter at Priscinia Film. This is Tim. We've lost Dustin, so we don't get any, any music out. But this has been our review of Phantom Menace. I guess I can play Dustin.
1: Boop
0: That's me being Dustin.